Time now to talk parenting with our resident, a parenting expert, human potential expert, author and speaker, Nikki Bush. Today, Nikki is looking at um, how to tackle the uncomfortable topic of suicide. Of course, mental health is top of everyone's mind, minds, not just for adults, and, but for children as well. So, Nikki, thank you so much for bringing us this very important subject. Good morning. Good morning, Rafael Sure. Um, it is a tough one to tackle suicide, right? But let's get right into it, Nikki, um, and, and try to understand or delve into why teens would turn, why teens would uh, commit suicide. What drives teenagers to suicide? Yeah, Rafael, as you said, a big topic, and um, it's often known as the, the secret S word. And just first up, just to say to our listeners, I'm not a psychologist or a suicide counsellor, but I do research on this topic. I collaborate with therapists and I have helped schools with suicide during COVID. And suicide occurs every 40 seconds, according to the World Health Organization. And an attempt is made every three seconds. And in South Africa, 60% of people who commit suicide are depressed. Mm -hmm. And suicide accounts for 8% of all deaths. And in teen deaths, it's one in every one in every ten deaths in teens is a suicide. Mm. So it is a topic. Um, I'm sure you've been listening. If our listeners are our 702 fans, lunchtime on Azania's show, there's a mental health tip um, every day at the moment because mental health is becoming people are becoming through COVID a lot more aware of mental health and that's a good thing um you know that's a really good thing but in the teen years i think what is um really contributing both from a covid perspective and from a technological perspective uh from covid let's look at a couple of factors that are exacerbating uh, the suicide rates and the one is loneliness you know, kids have not been able to certainly in, in last year when we were in varying stages of lockdown and isolation, they were not able to be part of the social scene. And when you're a teenager, that is very much part of your biology, is actually building up this network of people beyond your family. And so it, it was really unnatural for mm. our teens to not be able to each other face to face then the second thing of course with um, technology is that they're able to connect um, virtually which is great but there's also all the potential for even nice children to be nasty online and being on a cell phone opens children up way more than face to face to things like being excluded being isolated or ignored because that has become a weapon of power and control online. So the online bullying, um, you know, is much easier to do and it's easier to do 24-7 than it would have been mm. in real life. And so you've got... Mm. And Nikki, I'd just like to just, you know, expand on that. And yes, we can talk cyberbullying and exclusion and isolation, right? But it's, it's, it's more insidious than that. It's the, it's the lack of likes or chasing after likes and the, the anxiety that comes with that, right? Um, it's the num, yeah, it's the number of followers that you do or don't have. It's the, the ability to compare your own life with someone else's life. Um, and think, my goodness, I'm really not measuring up. Am I? Um, uh, and, and, and that, 
that's its own dynamic. So whilst other people don't necessarily have to be uh, nasty, nasty or vindictive to you, yes. towards you, it's unfortunately an unhealthy dynamic. Completely. So unfortunately, our teens are measuring their self-worth and their self-esteem based on likes, based on follows. And blue ticking on WhatsApp is not enough. So if you get two blue ticks, that's not enough. You want people to comment. You want them to say something. And if people just blue tick you and don't say anything, even that is enough to send a teen into a spiral. And if you think about a teen who has maybe an emotional void at home. You know, I often talk about the emotional void and with a teen, they will fill that void in any which way. And the world today is a very big place because it's not just people outside in the street, uh, people at school, but it's everybody online as well. And teens will do anything to get attention and be noticed. And that is one of the big risk factors that parents need to understand about teens is attention is the biggest game in town and children will do anything even stupid things mm. to get attention and they will give their power away to the crowd um, and this is where parents are really important where children need a much bigger network of support beyond just their own parents as well yeah. you know so that's why i often say invite other adults in who your children you know cleave to um to build that support network so that we can get our children talking sure. because this public shaming and that's what we saw with lufuna mavungo with that suicide the public shaming of her the viral video the video with, that went viral of her being slapped around and who knows what the underlying you know situation was in her own life maybe that was just the last straw mm, absolutely. But the public shaming the revenge porn that's going on is massive and when you're young you don't necessarily have the life skills to bounce back from that so, Nikki, you've established um, the various stresses in the lives of contemporary teenagers and te- and uh, and children uh, and young people. But you know, one might say, well, those those are stresses that we all um, we all experience, and uh, if we're resilient enough, we can get through them. What then? Um, what then pushes one to think suicide and to get to that place? Does it have to be something very, very extreme? What is happening with those children who feel that there are no options, there's no way out or there's no other way to cope and that trying or attempting to take their lives is in fact the way to go? What should parents be looking out for? Yeah, so the biggest causes of suicide, and there are many, of course, depression, loss of hope. Loss of hope is a big one. Uh, And I think that's a real biggie during COVID. And that desperation that they feel totally overwhelmed, they've got too many problems all at once, and they feel trapped and suicide appears to be the only way out. Um, So the kinds of things to watch out for, um, there are behavioral clues, and there are also verbal clues. Um, And it's things like a preoccupation, maybe with death, with violence, maybe watching incredibly violent TV, um, giving away prized possessions. Now, that's an interesting one um, because they say about 75% of suicides actually give warning signs. 
that they're actually going to take their life. Isn't that interesting? 75%. So they might give away prized possessions. Mm. Um, they might talk about the fact that it would be better if I was dead, you know, saying things like that. Or I might as well just kill myself. Um, or, or maybe very risky behavior, jumping from high places, running into traffic, self-harm, like cutting, mm. especially in the teenage years. That's something one must look out for. Um, and, and, and then the depression symptoms, it's incredibly, it's a very, very high percentage. 60% of people who commit suicide are depressed, many of them untreated. So that comes with warning signs like, apathy, negative atten- and, and a negative attitude, wanting to be alone, so that withdrawal, mm. a loss of memory or concentration. When kids can't concentrate on their academics, there's usually something going on, either bullying or uh, thinking about suicide, a loss of interest in food, um, loss of interest in sex, sleeplessness, and then, of course, neglect of personal experience and hygiene. So the most ominous sign of all is probably a sudden improvement of mood. Interesting, this one. That you can have somebody who's been really down mm. and then they're suddenly so much better. What is that related to? That cheering up is often an indication that the person is at peace because they've finally made a decision, mm. a resolve to commit suicide. So a person um, in, a, in a real, really deep depression actually lacks the energy to commit suicide. Sure. So, you know, just reading some literature from the South African Depression and Anxiety Group, you know, what they do say that 90% of adolescents who die by suicide do have an underlying mental illness, right? So there's that to take into yeah, account. So parents, depression. Exactly. Yeah. So watch out for what is happening in your child's life and actually take seriously what they're presenting, right? There's always that, you know, come on, what, what have you got to be stressed out about? I pay your school fees, take you to an expensive school, I feed you, you've got the clothes that you need and want, you've got your Xbox games, you've got the last number cell phone, what could you possibly have to be stressed out or unhappy about? And it's not, by the time we're talking suicide, it's not stress, it's not unhappiness, it's something deeper than that. So, Nikki, interventions that parents can utilize or that they can turn to, what is available out there? Who is out there to help um, parents help their children? Sure. So, um, of course, SADAG is very, very active in this space, so the South African Depression and Anxiety Group, and Lifeline. So those are both available. Just Google them online, and they have a 24-hour hotline, suicide hotline, so very, very important. Um, people can go to nickybush.com and um, look at my podcast, and I have a 45-minute podcast called Suicide Sensitivity, where I interview Claire Newton, who's a local psychologist who has vast experience mm. um, with suicide. Sure. And, then, and, and, what um, does, and what does that help look like, Nikki? Because you reach out to SADA, you reach out to, you reach out to Lifeline. What is happening? Is it talk therapy? Is it medical interventions? Is it perhaps getting someone um, committed for a week or two until they get through that period of you know, suicide ideation or perhaps they've, they've already started self-harming? What do those tend to look like? Yeah, so so those, uh, you know, if you do call in, obviously there's a lot of talk therapy um, and they will then take you through next steps. But I think what's an interesting thing to note, because this is one of the myths around suicide, 
um, and and both Claire Newton and a UK suicide counsellor, Rose Allett, um, said exactly the same thing. Most people who counsel around suicide or helping families to deal with, um, you know, somebody who is suicidal say exactly the same thing. If you note behavior that's worrying you, mm. you need to actually tackle it head on. And what we tend to do is skirt around it. And you need to say something like, I'm worried about you for these reasons. Mm. And then you give the facts. I've noticed that X, Y, Z. And um, because it's fact, you can't actually offend someone. Mm. And you can actually say to them, um, you know, are you thinking about committing suicide? Now that is the thing that we think would send somebody to commit suicide. If we actually say to them, are you thinking of killing yourself? And yet it's probably the most important thing you can say hmm. to help somebody to not commit suicide because they are feeling incredibly lonely and you need to actually make it a, a, a we situation. Um, so, of course, it sounds terrifying, but it's the single most important thing that we can do to say, we're in this together. If they say yes, you can actually say to them, and how are you going to do it? Mm. And then you know whether they were really serious or not, because if they're going to do it, they've thought about how. What were they going to use? And then you can say things, look, we're in this together. Let's talk about this. Sure. And they're safer because they told you. And now it's a we. And what can we do to help you get the support you need? Mm. And I'm only one person. The first thing they'll probably say is don't tell anybody. Don't tell anyone. And you've got to say, I'm only one person. We need others who can support us through this. Yeah. Suddenly they're not alone. And that seems to be the common, single most common piece of advice that comes out with any expert around suicide counseling is that you actually can ask that person directly and you can ask them how and you can ask them what preparations they've made and then you can actually create the we not me situation. Oh 31702 send us your SMSs um, or give us a call on 011-8830702 and just let us know how you've gone about this conversation a conversation around suicide and depression with your children and um, perhaps how old they might have been at that time because you know as I said looking at um, literature around suicide in children or in teenagers in our own country in South Africa 9% of all teenagers deaths are in fact due to suicide and uh, literature from the South African Depression and Anxiety Group does say that actually you do even find children as young as seven having committed suicide in our country. So as much as we'd like to you know, imagine or hope that we don't, that we wouldn't have to have these conversations with younger children, um, unfortunately reality says otherwise. How have you gone about this conversation, this, um, yeah, having this conversation with your children? Um, send us a voice note on 072 7021702 sure Nikki so much to wrap your mind around but I think ultimately that first um, that first point of uh, intervention is creating solidarity or knowing uh, letting the, that your child know that you stand in solidarity with them they're not alone and you are going to walk this road with them so key so very very important absolutely and then you know once you get to, to get into the counseling, into the therapy, into the family therapy, etc. 
um, you know, to start talking about all these things. And, and for those of you whose children are not suicidal, you still need to have these conversations with them about who they give their power away to, going back to where we started the conversation around public shaming, self-worth, self-esteem, etc. And we have to be teaching our children to put up their flag and take back their country. Mm, absolutely. To put up their flag and take back their country. Our kids are at the risk of giving away way too much of their power to other people and to external circumstances. And, um, and, and that is a big conversation that we need to be tackling uh, for so many different reasons, let alone suicide. Mm, absolutely. Sean, sure, Nikki, very, very important conversation you brought us there. But of course, we do take every, uh, yeah, we do take the opportunity every time we talk to review a toy. What have you got for us this week? Right, so I decided not to review a toy this week. I mm. decided to use the environment uh, because we're going through this beautiful autumn and wherever you look, the wind blew yesterday and the leaves fell like rain. And I think those autumn leaves, there's so much you can do if you've got young children yes. uh, with those autumn leaves just to inspire creativity in the moment. And that old-fashioned thing of doing rubbings Get your kids to go and gather leaves, go on a walk through your suburb if you don't have a large tree, pick up autumn leaves, come home and show them how to put a leaf under a piece of paper and then take a crayon or a pencil and you, you rub over, you color in over the leaf and then you see the shape of the leaf comes through, the um, veins of the leaf come through and it's just like a bit of magic, mm. you know, that little bit of magic of creating fun out of nothing, creating a picture out of nothing and all those different uh, shaped leaves. So you can create something really fun there. And then there's leaf stamping. So if you um, mix up a bit of paint, you know, slightly thicker paint um, or finger paint, and then the kids can actually stamp their leaves so they can dip their leaves in the paint and then um, they can make leaf stamps on pages. And once again, a little bit of magic that costs you Absolutely nothing. Love it. And this is a perfect time to be having a change of seasons dinner. Get your kids to gather all those autumn leaves and then you know the, the skewers that come with your societies. Yes. They can actually thread leaves onto one of those skewers and make some lovely table centerpieces for your change of seasons dinner. But uh, gather them up really fast before they start crumbling (laughs) all over your dinner table. (laughs) All right. And uh, final one, of course, uh, the absolute uh, highlight for any child is uh, kicking, stomping, walking through piles of leaves. Oh, my goodness. So much fun and free. (laughs) (laughs) We put their gumboots on and we let them go and kick them, throw them. And just that rustling sounds, that multi-sensory opportunity for kids to just engage with nature. So just a reminder about the Suicide Sensitivity podcast on NikkiBush.com for those who want to go and listen to 45 minutes of going in-depth on this topic. Nikki Bush, thank you so much. Our resident parenting expert, she's an author and speaker as well. We'll catch up with her next week.